General Vagon has called the Battle of France is over. The Battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome to the Lead Pursuit Podcast, a podcast covering Blood Red Skies, a game of World War II aerial combat. So welcome to the Lead Pursuit Podcast. What are we going to talk about tonight? Well, I've got no idea. We're in the middle of the COVID-19 lockdown. I think my state, the last part of the United States to be a holdout for a shelter-in-place order, finally issued theirs. So we are firmly underneath the global pandemic of COVID-19. But the good news is I've got Brett on board. How you doing, Brett? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. And I've also got Chris, who's up there with his self-admitted worst governor ever. What's up, man? <laughs> All right. Well, it's good to have you guys on. So let's talk about a few things that we've seen out on the internet in the last week or so since we were talking uh, last week with John, having a hilarious time laughing at ourselves, yucking it up, and really not getting much done. But uh, at least today, the good news came out, Warlord is headed back to work. Now, once again, they're not going to go put their employees at risk. They're trying to be smart about it. Uh, but they did release the news today that they are really going, going to attempt uh, to be able to deliver some some stock orders uh, to keep their retailers that may be online retailers equipped uh, and get individual orders out to individual uh, purchasers, knowing there's going to be some kind of delay. Uh, yeah. Does anyone have a have a series of orders they've just been waiting to hit send on with Warlord? So, I, I haven't. So I'm 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 good right now, and in, in my the the crap that I've got to get through, you know. So I, it, it hasn't bothered me at all that everybody's been stopping. <laughs> of course, I did find GHQ and the flight deck. I found that because of the flight deck decals thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I put a substantial order. I ordered every carrier for Midway America. Well, and, so I'm, I'm and, so glad you're supporting GHQ. I, I'm an old grog. And so GHQ was my go-to team for 1-285th scale micro armor for squad leader and mm -hmm. for stuff, uh, modern stuff. Uh, I still have a bunch of it sitting here in the closet right next to me. Uh, I've always loved GHQ's quality, and I just laugh that I'm like, yes, some other poor soul has had their life corrupted by GHQ. Um, <laughs> They're still gorgeous. I, oh, I when beautiful. I first looked at when I first looked at um, the the flight deck decals, I pulled it up last week. I had two thoughts. I was like, those can't be one 2400 scale Japanese carriers. There's no way because they're just too damn pretty. You know, when when Brett told me about the site and then lo and behold, yes, they are. But they're from GHQ. They're not done online. And they are simply gorgeous. Even in the late 1970s, early 1980s, GHQ's metal was awesome. And I remember, and I'm going to get the designation of it wrong. It was a eight-wheel German APC with an anti-tank gun on it, and just the level of detail in the open cabin and everything with the AT gun, it was cool. And I was happy to put six of those on the board for uh, for squad leader uh, just because they were cool, even though my paint job on them sucked and they probably still have a crappy two-tone paint job on them <laughs> right now. But, but their quality's always been good. I never knew about GHQ until... What rock Chris have you it. lived under? Oh, I that's know. right. Yeah. You're not a historical gamer. That's all right. That's all right. Yeah. Please, people, forgive him. He's a 40K baby. He came into this dishonestly. <laughs> I kind of wish I knew I had, I kind of wish I had known about them because I got mine from Shapeways, those uh, carriers I have. And uh, I suspect that the ones, the Micronauts might have been even better. Well, and, and that's, you know, I'll, I'll take that hit because it's kind of funny because I, you know, I, I tell stories about growing up uh, with parents that apparently didn't love me because they owned a bookstore and a game store and introduced me to things like, uh, you know, miniatures games and, and, you know, war games and miniatures of from GHQ and Ralph Partha and all those companies. Um, so I've always known about the GHQ Micronauts. I had just forgotten that how extensive their World War II line was and that it was really the scale we were looking at. I had, I had totally blanked on it. If you'd asked me about Micronauts, I would have thought about you know, old sailing ships for Oak and Iron or for one of those games. Um, but yeah, their stuff is so high quality. I, th I think this is going to make me take a, a trip down memory lane and perhaps pull out some of my old micro armor and maybe glue it down to a uh, to an acrylic backing to make it a target. <laughs> yeah, I found it. I was looking online, you know, I, I was like, where are those carriers from? And I'll tell you this, I sent a text really quick to, not a text, but a email um, to the Comcast email address at flightdeck.com. And that guy got back to me in like, five minutes 
told me exactly nice. where everything was from. He might be as much of an enabler as Kevin over at Miss Ladies Minis. He is good. <laughs> he is good. And he told me GHQ. And I had already found GHQ through another forum where I had looked it up. I, was, I started digging. I was like, those can't be Shapeways carriers. And lo and behold, they're, they were all GHQ. Well, I'm going to have to go out and do my research because there's a, a couple companies that were around in the late 70s, early 80s that were amazing metal miniature companies. Um, and and I'm drawing a blank on the huge European 1300 scale company. Uh, I'm sure somebody who's listening to the podcast can go, Doug, how are you so stupid? You forgot that. Here's what the name of it is. Um, but I'll go look it up. Uh, and if they're still around, their stuff was, I, I thought it was a little bit lower quality than uh, GHQ, but the, the price was right. If you needed to equip yourself with a you know battalion of T-34 tanks, uh, you could go afford to buy it from these guys. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see what we can use. And, and you know, once again, there's a lot of of, of home homebrew miniatures out there because like all the guys that do the Pico armor, that's all brigade models out of the UK, uh, guys I've worked with years ago uh, back in another life. <laughs> uh, and their stuff is great. I love supporting them. Uh, and I'm always happy to see money to go to GHQ, even though they've uh, they've been one of the big bears in the industry. Um, they're a great company. They put out a great product. Talking about going down a rabbit hole, I was checking out that the three millimeter Pico stuff. And uh, oh, yeah. it's a little, little hard to navigate. But when I finally found the um, three millimeter stuff, I mean, talk about variety of tanks and trucks and there's an amazing variety. And, and I'll be honest, I think you and I had, had the discussion a few months back um, where my thought was always if you wanted a detailed target model and you only wanted a couple vehicles, you know, maybe three or four vehicles on there. Sure, go with one two eighty fifth, one three hundredth scale, uh, because the the detail in the vehicle is there, and you're you're just representing a target area anyway. But if you want to put out a convoy and you want to make it look like a convoy, or you want a series of tanks herring boned off a road and to put a little you know a uh, a little village church next to it, uh, that is some really cool stuff you can do with those three millimeter uh, vehicles. Sweet, I got some new paint. We want to talk about that paint we don't care about no stinking paint yeah absolutely <laughs> tell me about, tell about, me about your paint tell well, me about your paint i have a couple of new projects we talked about last time i'm gonna do those um that falcon squadron and johnny red and i didn't really have the appropriate color so i picked up a box of uh the air war color series from vallejo specifically for the soviet air force from 41 to 43 those are I, that's a great set i love these sets because they have really everything you need in one place uh Anyway, so I grabbed that up so I have everything I need to knock those guys out. And I also ordered some more Mission Models paint for um, some late war stuff for the 262s I'm working on. So that's kind of cool. Those haven't arrived yet, but I just got the uh, the Air War Series kit today for those uh, Russian models. So I'm going to nice. get cranking away on those tomorrow. I like yeah. those Air War Series kits. They're they're really nice. Yeah, the Mission Model stuff, that, that's a company out of Utah. It started like two years ago. And not to badmouth them at all. It's just that I had – I was right when I started first painting dust miniatures. And they're OD green and one of their tans. There was just something about it. It just would not bond worth a shit. No matter what I did to the model prepping it, I was just not getting good adherence. So whenever I went through and did my weathering layers, I was just – I was brushing paint off. It drove me nuts. But I had really good luck with a lot of their other colors. But those two particular ones, they're OD and it was one of the German tans. It just drove me nuts. So – and it might – I know different paint companies, you find different paints that just aren't good. But those two I struggle with. And it could have been – those were in like the very first batch that shipped to market. So – because I actually got them handed to me to test them and I wasn't happy about it. I haven't had any of those problems with it, thankfully, but uh, I, I tried them as well as some other brands specifically because I found the Vallejo pretty thin for um, brushwork. I tend to use the Vallejo stuff fine for airbrush. It's awesome for that. No problem. It's so thin. And it's certainly usable for brushwork, but it can be a little tedious if you have a lot to do. So I was looking for something that was you know, the appropriate colors, but maybe more suitable for brushwork. And I found the... Um, the mission model stuff to be pretty good for that. And of course I can thin it and airbrush it if I want, but yeah. thankfully I've not had any adhesion problems yet. Yeah. I still I find myself defaulting whenever I got to do brushwork. I just automatically go to GW 
So it just it just brushes so damn well. I hate it's saying that. It's the same stuff on my but... Space Marines. I love it. My Thunderhawks <laughs> look just like paint, my fighter planes. It is good paint. I mean, it I got to give, you know, I gotta I, give I, Caleb. I, Caleb back told me that one time, and he got booed in the whole room when we were doing a painting class. And he, they were like, what's your favorite paint? And he goes, well, there's a lot of paints that are good paints. But, you know, to be honest, the most bulletproof paint for tabletop where you're going to handle your miniatures and has the best laydown – cohesion you know adhesion barring the horrible pots that they will always come in so that you know they're 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 still encouraging and that's why i hate them yeah my problem is i remember the old days with the tall glass jars and and things that were so much better than these stupid little pots i just hate the pots they're just really really useless to me they're horrible i i really don't know when they made that huge push a couple years well i do know because it's it's money those those pots don't seal well and you dry out a lot of paint and they also spill real easy yeah and they make a mess and people throw them away and they go out and buy another one and but i just think that that's one but thing you know, that they do like in their business model buy a bunch of that paint <laughs> yeah most of my paints yeah. are gw paints and i do like them i find sometimes you know don't have the right colors for some of the projects i'm doing but if i had to pick a paint i I just know it well, so I like it. Well, so I'm glad you made that last point, and that is a huge key to me, is a paint that you know that you're comfortable with, that you're comfortable thinning to the right consistency, whether it's for airbrush, whether it's for brushwork. That is huge. And I'm actually going to use that kind of as a segue, uh, because a lot of what I did my dust work with before I did uh, stuff with Vallejo's uh, different uh, military series, I did a lot of stuff with Army Painter, and I did it knowing that it, out of the bottle, it's not a good paint. But once you learn how to thin it very well, I really liked it, and I liked their metals especially. Their metals, to me, were so much better than what was available from GW at the time. Um, and and it became kind of my comfort level. So the, the reason I bring that up is, in case people haven't seen, already on our Facebook page, uh, Army Painter is doing a pretty cool thing. They have kind of converted over a lot of their bottling facility to bottling hand sanitizer and it's kind of neat for me to see how various hobby industries have changed over to help the uh, the global pandemic army painters out there doing uh, doing some good work with uh, bottling hand sanitizer trying to get that out to school kids and to, to first responders uh, some of the other companies that do 3d printing are out there working to make uh, mask brackets so that the uh, the the big acrylic masks can be carried and other people are using 3d printing to carry the uh, the, I don't know what to call them, maybe the, the comfort headbands is the best way to describe it uh, for the masks. But it's pretty neat uh, to see the, the response around the world. What have you guys seen? Chris, have you seen anything cool up there? You know, the Chinese recaster I used to use, he switched over to making N95 masks, and that was just Bravo Zulu. Yeah, yeah. I've seen, <laughs> I've not, man, seen a, a, bunch of, a bunch of 3D and resin people have gone over to making, making being mask people, and it's really yeah. funny. You're like, well, that makes sense. Cause there were 3D resin. There was a bunch of 3D resin guys um, in some of the 3D printing forums that were showing how to do the um, – the convert a ventilator into two ventilators kit and how right, that can be right. done and that kind of stuff and how this is these are really simple parts to manufacture and it's been cool just to see the overall community. The one that I think is like completely tone deaf. Did you see Games Workshop's promotion that they put up like four days no, ago? No, oh but the fact that you use the word tone deaf tells Dude, me that you're oh a jurgle. You know, nice, nice work. Dude, they they put up no, they put up an ad saying, We know you can't buy from us right now. But if you'll buy a hundred dollar gift card, we'll give you a ten dollar bonus. It's like, oh, okay. ouch! Yeah, so you're, you're going to give me so you're going to give it. me a ten percent break so that I can help you over the hump on money that I may or may not spend. Yeah. It's like GW, yeah. man. You guys are just they just <laughs> kill me, dude. I don't know who's in charge of their PR and marketing, but they're just. It's got to be a bunch of freaking like economic lawyers, you know. It's that they're accountant lawyers and they really don't understand the gaming business at all, understand gamers at all because they just make they and the it's all like it's got animation for it and everything else on their site. I mean, yeah, some so designers spent went some into time. That. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's just Dude, do you understand the concept of bang for buck at all in PR and advertising? Because you guys just keep getting it all wrong every time. That's funny. So now the one thing that they did do that was smart was, you know, converting. They, it looks like they're going to pull a lot of people over to their Twitch stream because they're doing all their new releases via Twitch, which is kind of annoying. 
But um, it is smart to try to get a, you know, try to expand into another platform. You say it's annoying because you must be like your parents trying to use a VCR. You're like, how do I find anything on Twitch? I don't understand this. When you talk Twitch, I'm thinking NBC and I got too much freaking nerve gas. I just, it's, I don't get it. And, you know, I stop basically at like, I tell tell everybody my PR classes. Am I I the freaking millennial of this group? Am I like the only person that goes on Twitch and goes, hey, does someone, is someone streaming No Man's Sky? What can I find today? Am, Am I like the only person that's been on it more than once out of this group? Brett doesn't even know what Twitch is it, for, I guess. Oh, yeah, I do. I, I subscribe <laughs> to uh, Rubute Guliman, but uh, he hasn't posted in a oh, while. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, go figure. <laughs> <laughs> he had some There's hilarious, an ultramarine bathhouse channel. <laughs> there, he had some hilarious posts right when uh, the new, I guess, 8th edition dropped, and you know he was brought back from stasis or whatever. Uh, I was riveted, but it didn't last long. So that's the only use I've had for Twitch. I haven't looked at it in forever. I'm, I've turned into a Zoom expert recently because I've been using it like crazy at work. Oh, I hate that unsecure, horrid thing called Zoom. Sorry, I'm a Google Hangouts and Skype guy. Yeah, so but it's like we, every... I, see, I use a work one, so it's it's like ultra okay, lo- nice, locked yeah. up. Yeah. yeah, the big problem with college right now is like every professor is doing their own thing. So it's like, and they're all like old, aged centenarians. And it's like, uh, we're going to use Cisco's WebEx today. And I'm going to try to figure out, oh, I can't get the PowerPoint slides that I made you to do to come up on it. I mean, it's just, it's hilarious watching these people just baffle with technology. Yeah. So so that is right there. And we'll talk about it more a little bit later. That is my life in a nutshell with Tabletop Sim. Because let's think about the dynamic of wargaming and that how many young people who are used to using Steam and downloading subscribable content versus how many people are used to getting their war games out of a dusty old box. Right. Yes. I saw the comment where <laughs> the guy was pain. asking you about graphics cards yesterday, and I was just like... <laughs> I felt so bad because it was one of those where I'm like, dude, I, I feel your pain. I've been I, that guy. I could see you with, doing the system command and like searching I, through I was, this because you like, have no clue. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I haven't built a computer in a couple years. And, and I and I felt really bad because you know everyone saw my comment out there i'm like uh i don't even know what to recommend but i know what's in my machine that's a laptop right now so which is funny because if if you had backed up you know six years and asked me hey what should i do for gaming i could have told you in a heartbeat no big deal like yeah absolutely here's the card that you want here's what you want to put in that desktop i haven't built a desktop in so long that that i even had to sit out there and think i'm like huh what are the cards that are out there these days? I don't know. Yeah, so I, I see yeah. once again. What Doug, card manufacturer is still around? <laughs> yeah, Doug. Doug was useless to the to the community for that section because once again, I've totally transitioned to laptops and uh, and super tablets uh, for my photography business, and whatever I get in there is what I use. That system yeah. cannot require too much because I'm running it off my wife's laptop, and it's nothing you know extraordinary. I, I don't think it does. Now, now what I'll say uh, is a lot of people. They, I guess they kind of assume they have good graphics capability, and that is one of the first things to be short-circuited by these companies when they're selling you a laptop. They're like, hey, this isn't. these people aren't gamers. They're just going to watch YouTube videos, and they're going to do some spreadsheets for their homeowners association. Uh, so there's a lot of really nerfed graphics cards out there in a lot of the laptops. Uh, but the, the fact is... Um, especially if you have a desktop, it's really not that hard. Go out there, spend 120 bucks or whatever. You can probably find a good one. I don't know how many of the good ones are down in the $80, $90 range, um, but most of those should be able to hack it. I mean, it's it, tabletop sim is not asking a lot of your computer. Um, but then again, like I said, I, I you know, pretty much buy mine as an entire box. You were saying about uh, social media and stuff. I saw that, that email from, uh, I guess, the social media folks at Warlord about TTS and the uh, the work you've done. Yeah, so I'm I'm really happy. Um, and this is not to say that Doug Glover is any genius, by the way. Uh, but I, I'm just really happy that Andy and Warlord have got behind this tabletop sim project for the community. And once again, in case you know people haven't talked to me about it or haven't kind of figured it out from the tone of my posts, putting stuff in tabletop sim isn't about making money for lead pursuit it isn't about making lead pursuit the only outlet for digital blood red skies things it's about starting a little bit of a spark in the community uh and brett i think you and i saw that with steve the other night as we were playing because as we got through and played and kind of figured out how the game worked and how some of the the game isms of tabletop simulator were Steve was like, oh, hey, wait, I can do this, or I can convert a model to do this, or what if we bring this gameplay element in? 
Um, and that's kind of the cool thing is that it's stuff I'm never going to get around to, to programming, you know, coding or whatever, but it's things other people will take the ball with and run. Yeah. The next morning he had Corsairs on the table. <laughs> I yeah. Like, I laugh at Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the problem of bringing a 3d modeler into your game is all of a sudden he's like, Oh wait, I've got a model for that. Um, and sure enough. And he, uh, he ran afoul of the same, uh, modeling problem in, in tabletop sim that, uh, Rosalind ran afoul of that. I don't know what scale it wants your models to be apparently excruciatingly tiny because everything that's kind of the real scale it would print when you bring it in, it literally takes up your entire table. I'm like, well, that's an impressive Corsair model. I don't think we're going to get a squadron of them on the gaming table. Well, you do deserve a lot of credit for it because uh, I know last time I got on there, I think you were over like 60 hours on, yeah. on it. So you're probably <laughs> guess, over 100 I guess my now. stats, yeah, my stats do uh, do tell the story how much time I've been in there fooling around with it. But it's it's fun. I enjoy it. I, I will say that uh, my my intent, uh, and, and we can talk a little bit more about this later, is once again not to make the perfect final product. It's to, it's to push something over the hump so that everybody has the tools to do what they want to do with it. Um, not to make the final end-all be-all. Um, and, and like I said, we'll talk about that in a bit. But I want to cover a couple more things uh, Intel-wise. So in case you haven't noticed out there on the Warlord web store, uh, and so you don't fall down and make a fool of yourself like I did, yes, there's a 50% sale, 50% off sale on PDFs and eBooks. Uh, that hurts. So <laughs> I probably spent too much money today, but I got a bunch of different rules for Bolt Action, Warlord, Severon, some Antari stuff, some Conflict 47. Um, but the cool thing is, is if you want to go out there and you've been waiting to buy PDFs, now is definitely the time. Yeah, it, I tell you what, that Osprey book, uh, the second week Osprey went up a couple days ago. Yep. And I went I in and... I have not gone out and done that. Dude, there's a really... They've got the one just for the community. Get out there. If you haven't heard about it yet, Osprey is doing five free eBooks every week. And all you got to do is sign into Osprey. They give you the code and you put them in your little cart like you're paying for them and then put the code in and they're free. And basically they're just doing this to gather email addresses and everything else for direct marketing later. But it's a great offer. I mean, you're getting five free books from Osprey every week and they're pretty good ones. Um, I'm reading the Blackbeard's Raid one right now, which is all about Blackbeard the Pirate. I downloaded the Hurricane one, which is all about the development of the Hurricane. There have been some interesting, last week I think they had the U.S. Marines versus the Japanese Infantry series, so it was like force on force. So they've got some really good stuff out there, so if you haven't tried it, definitely try it. So I And they're free. I, I just grabbed that Hurricane book today. Yep. I grabbed, I, I've been grabbing all of them. I mean, who knows? I, I might fall down a rabbit hole and do Assyrian infantry and legends someday. <laughs> yeah. I don't see that happening, but okay. <laughs> who knows? When you, get, when you get through all of your uh, old Warhammer fantasy stuff that's still sitting in your closet of doom. Oh God. I was trying to sell my ogres online because ogres were released and I, I just couldn't, I didn't have the heart to do it. I, I like yeah. took all the pictures and <laughs> it was like about it. to put them up on eBay didn't and it was like, Someday I'll paint those. It's like my dwarves. I've got an entire, I've probably got freaking 8,000 pounds of uh, points of dwarves between pu old pewter sculpts and new plastic sculpts. And I just, it's like, it's just sitting there. You're probably never going to get a chance to paint it. Well, You're so, going to die before you'll so ever paint it. I, I may have done it. a bad thing by downloading the, the PDF for Warlords of Erewhon because I'm not a fantasy guy, but that could convert me into being a fantasy army guy in the sense of yeah. not necessarily doing some of the very standard fantasy stuff but the fact that you can do samurai you can do a lot of mm -hmm. other cool things with it so isn't that a little more skirmishy too no i i i wouldn't well i don't think it's as large as fantasy battle was but i think it's rick Priestley's attempt to say hey i'm going to go back and we're going to do it right and we're not going to have gw steal all my good ideas okay um, but you know once again i haven't actually read the rule book i've only listened to a couple podcasts about it um but we'll see did you snatch up a bunch of those samurai models at Coastal Con? The guy next to us had a ton of them. No, I didn't because I looked at him and, I, and w I was at a point where I was like, no, I'm thinking about Blood Red Skies. I am not going down that road. So I'm kind of regretting that because, yeah, there were some cool ones. There's a couple of good samurai and just Asian theme games that are out there. Some of the guys in, in one of the chats that I'm in for one of the painting groups, at one of the painting classes I went to, we keep a chat going. Everybody posts their work that they're doing. And one of the guys is into several of those games. And some of the stuff is just beautiful blocks of little samurais with spears or two-handed swords. And it's just like, oh God, I wish I had the time. 
Yeah, yeah, time. Well, we all have time now. Guess what? Well, not really, because I'm still working like I always work. So. Dude, the the college answer when when they said college goes online, the the professor answer is, oh yeah, well we can't do that, so let's add a paper. Let's just yeah, do. We'll put exactly. a paper requirement in that place. So yeah, that's that's been my life, just paper after paper after paper. That's frustrating. Here's yep. here's a, a a tip, a fresh tip. If you have a pile of resin that you're working on. Do the big planes first because it makes the pile shrink really quick. I just did a B twenty nine. It yeah, seems so, like my so pile is going to ask smaller. T- tell me about your pile of crap you're working on, which AKA command decision. Yeah, so I just finished the B twenty nine. I finished it, a, I guess, a little while ago. But remember, I broke one of the one of the uh, prop discs because I was just an ogre putting it on, and you have to drill it drill it out a little bit to uh, get it to fit. And I cracked it and it was the only one I had. So I had to order some more, but I got them today. And so I finished that and I'll be posting it up pretty soon. Some pictures. Dude, it's really pretty. I, you know, I really like the black, you know, that whole, I remember just, just the photographs when we were talking about doing B-29s for Korea, not all of them have that black camouflage, you know, later, later in the war, they did that for night missions and stuff. But I just think it's so distinctive, so cool, clearly a Korea thing. And uh, I like it. Yeah, I saw some photos that a good friend of mine had from the 1960s out at, I guess maybe it was actually the early 70s, out at China Lake uh, Naval Air Weapon Station and kind of their boneyard target area that had a couple of their B-29s that had the black underbellies still painted on them from Korea, that they were about to, they were targets that were about to be uh, drug out to the range. And that was just so cool to see those bombers because they, they still were in great condition having just sat in the California desert for a lot of years waiting to, to take their turn as a target. Um, but uh, I, I like that paint job. I think it's a pretty neat paint job. So what else is everybody working on? A pile of resin that's not getting any smaller. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I'm doing those aircraft for John and payment for the pilot scale discs he gave me. So I'll get those cranking. I think that's going to be a fairly fast project because I think they're relatively easy paint schemes and it's just, uh, you know, two squadrons. So no big if you, those decals are a little fiddly. If you run into a bind on them, let me know. I've got two sheets open because I got one with Johnny Red and I got one with the Johnny Red Squadron, but I'm not doing the Johnny Red Squadron as it was until I can get most of that stuff in, in um, resin just because okay. I hate the metal models. So I if you do end up in a bind for decals, just let me know. Speaking of decals, did you see that funny email from Kevin? I'm ignoring uh, all of Kevin's emails because that would make me feel better. Oh, no, he was so funny. He was like, he was like, been listening to the podcast. You guys are awesome. Thanks for the mention. And tell everybody that if I'm not dying and I don't need money, I'm not going out of business. It's a small business. Yeah, yeah, so, so put your money, you know, where it, it does the most good. If you want decals, hey, I'm here. But yeah. I thought that was pretty funny that he reached I, out. I just like, laughed because I'm like, oh, look, it's something from Kevin. I'm going to delete it because otherwise I go buy more decals. But, uh, <laughs> but actually, and I got to say, the, the great thing with, um, Kevin and David pairing up is that David already had some of the miscellaneous minis decals for the jets I ordered. So when I said, hey, I need some Vietnam era stuff, David immediately said, hey, do you want the standard miscellaneous minis decals? I'm like, absolutely. Put those in there if you got them. That's cool. Yeah, so it, it, it makes it good. So if you're if you're thinking about pre-ordering uh, for Vietnam and getting ahead of the game, uh David Schmidt does take a while to get some of it done uh, because it's not his number one priority right now. He's got a lot of World War II stuff that's stacked up. Um, but he is absolutely uh, still cranking out those models. They look beautiful. Um, sure, like like a lot of the larger winged uh, aircraft, there's a little bit of warping. So I gotta, I'm going to have to do a little bit of work tomorrow uh, with some hot water to get those uh, the wings on one of the Phantoms and one of the F-8s evened out. But it's it's nothing that's, that's too difficult. And of course, the the empennage area, the tail area has got, uh, got some, some warping as well, but a little bit of work there and they'll be ready for primer. Although it, I, I kind of feel bad primering these things. Well, at least the U S ones in gray. Cause I'm going to primer them in gray and then I'm going to paint them in gray for the Navy. I'm like, well, isn't that just fucking boring? <laughs> so I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to come up with some good, good, uh, tail color schemes or something for the, uh, the Navy F fours and F eights. Um, because uh, there's certainly not a whole lot of camo there. I'm going to do Air Force camo on the uh, F-4s and the 105s. Of course you are, because you love the chair force. Yes, yes, good yeah, for no, you. Yeah, no, I got. I had it right the first time, 105s. Yeah. I'm not, geez. Anyway, yeah, but yeah, I'm going to do that. I think for Vietnam, I'm going to do the Air Force stuff. Well, and I would send you 
some some F4s immediately to work on, except the fact that I only ordered two of them, and I want to do them up as a Navy or as a Marine Corps squadron. And and I tell you, Chris, you're going to laugh at me because that is my drama. What Marine squadron do I do, and and which one do I? Who do I paint these aircraft up to be like? Um, because you know how it is. We're so, such an incestuous. Uh, redneck family in the Marine Corps when it comes to squadrons that we hate everybody else who isn't one of us. You just um, break your pencil before you can paint freaking 224. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I could, I could do 224 easier because I have spent time flying in the airplanes. My problem is I really, I, I wanted to do the F eights first in VMFA 212. And what do you think my answer to 212 was? Yeah, fuck those guys. <laughs> I hate those guys. So then I'm like, all right, so I don't like the Lancers, even though their jet was beautiful in the, in uh, in Vietnam. I'm like, all right, who else can I find? Well, you know, 312 operated there. And I'm like, I'm not going to paint that many checkerboards on the damn tail. I'm like, geez, that's a cool paint job. So then I went to, yeah, one of the dead squadrons, Trip Tray. And the problem is I can, I can paint up an, both an F4 that's actually a MiG killer and an F8 for trip tray for vmfa 333 but i'm so tired of people talking about that damn squadron you were in beaufort same time i, oh, I was chris it, it's like your squadron is dead it has I a know, headstone at the officers club everywhere Shut up about everywhere it. you went at mag 31 there was trip tray shit and it was like it was like anybody that ever been associated with trip tray even if they were like the grandson of somebody freaking was walking around talking about trip tray and it's like yeah talk about what I, a great I squadron it. was i'm glad it was a great squadron it's dead it will never come back <laughs> What's your big favorite squadron? Is it Crusaders? Is that right? Well, that would be my wife's favorite squadron because that was her squadron. So oh, okay. she, w- I- she was the blue collar squadron from VMFA uh, 122 uh, from the Crusaders. Mine was the Hawks, VMFA All Weather 533. Uh, so Hawks unfortunately, Vincis forever. Exactly. <laughs> unfortunately, Chris and I would be painting up A6s for Vietnam. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah That's we fine. Would. I'll paint up an A6 eventually for them. Um, but yeah, I don't have any cool fighter things until later, but that's all right. I mean, you know, we could do A4s at some point. We could do do a lot of other cool airplanes for them. But yeah, tragically, it'll be all A6s for Vietnam. So what else you got other than, you just working on Johnny Red there, Brett? Yeah, I'm kind of at the same time doing the 262s because, you know, they're in different stages. I've already got the Johnny Red stuff all primed up and I have the paints now. I'm still waiting on the paint for the 262s, but I'm going to primer them tomorrow. So when I'm not working on one, I'll, you know, I'll kind of bounce back and forth between the two squadrons. And I think uh, that should go fairly quickly. And uh, when I get those done, I think what I'm going to do next, I have uh, three DO-17s that are already base coated. I just need to nug those out and get them done for battle of britain so that might just do those next because they're you know they're already i just got to finish them up that'll be quick yeah. yeah i just got my decals in from kevin for my last two mossies because with the mossies coming six planes to a kit i wanted to do and since you don't see in blood red skies more than like a two ship flying around of mosquitoes you know it just what's the point so i did i did three different squadrons so i did a new zealand one i did a royal air force one and then i did a polish air force one so flying for the raf so i got those decals in today and got them done and then i was tired of painting camo after doing the mossies so this weekend i was like i want an airplane that i can try to get done in a day so i took the p40s that i got from warlord which by the way i really like they were um, really good resin models to work with just a little bit of cleaning up the the P40 actually where the mold connects to the airplane is right on the front intake nacelle and ooh, yeah ooh, so you hurts. get ooh. you get a lot of a dimple in there but what I found is that if you're really good make sure you got some good snippers when you snip it off but even if you don't there's enough of a hump there that if you get some some milliput or something like that it, it crams right down in there and I went with the the Burma Banshee so the entire decal covers the entire spot so as long as it's flat and can yeah. lay flat. That looks good. Better to be lucky than good. So exactly. So, but um, but yeah, I knocked out the Burma Banshees. I was actually able to get them. Took me a day and a half, but I was able to get them all done this weekend. So, which was a really fun squadron. Great decals. I'm excited to paint uh, my two Mig 19s and two Mig 21s because I'm like, woohoo! These will be quick and easy. (laughs) So I think Vallejo metal color done. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) When you 
posting those up, Chris. I, those mossies look awesome. The pictures I saw. So I've got I've got to do. I got the decals laid tonight for the Polish ones. So I will get the the flurry on them tomorrow and get it all cleaned up and hopefully um, get the canopies painted in the next couple of days. But I already posted the the banshees. But then I got to get those last two done. And then I think I'm going to switch back because I haven't done Soviet airplanes in a while. And I've still got all my my lags. I've got all my LA-5s and I've got all my I-16 sitting on the, the drawing boards. And I think I'm just going to go with some simpler paint schemes for a lot of those and just knock them out. What's the little clown car that's in this set that I'm painting? <laughs> that's that? the I-16 or the Rada. Um, that was, that was, that thing was actually flew a lot in the Spanish civil war. Um, it just shows Soviet aviation. It was, it was a, just a beater of an airplane, but it just wouldn't quit. And they flew them for quite some time until they figured out the whole, you know, let's, let's close the canopy in when we're going to fly around at 10,000 feet. Um, oh. you know, cause they were, they were open cockpit, but they were, they were one of the first, you know, model wing airplanes. And when they came out, they were pretty state of the art, but they just didn't age well, but they're is neat that, little airplanes. Is so. that the one they called the sewing machine in Stalingrad? So yeah, the Polykarpov. Nice. Yes. Polykarpov I-16. So neat little airplane, but yeah, definitely the, in Spanish Civil War, it got nicknamed the rat. Um, and, um, uh, just cause it was so short, fat and, and just kind of everywhere. So. And it's one of those in this, uh, Johnny Red Squadron. It's kind of an, in- an interesting mix of, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, four different aircraft, I guess, in that squadron. You actually get like three different eras in that box. <laughs> So, because it's pretty, pretty much a like soup the nuts Soviet aviation in World War II in that squadron. These two sixty twos are my first uh, try with the new resin, and uh, I'm pretty pleased. It's softer than most resins I've ever worked with. It's uh, flexible. I, you you described it that way too. I would kind of liken it to a combination of the soft bendy plastic that you got in the starter box and more rigid resin that you might get from say like aim or whatever yeah it's a little little softer than the stuff from aim but i've had zero difficulties with it so far working with yes it's it's easy to clean up yeah yep it takes paint well um i haven't had any problems with paint rubbing off which you know with you know forge world and some of the other resin model makers was just always an issue and especially working at the scale it's a concern but i've had it you know weathering hasn't been an issue i haven't had a single model that i've done in the resin so far that hasn't taken paint well I was pretty so, impressed with the level of detail on the 262s. So we'll see. It should be Yeah, the nice. P40s are great. They've got really good panel lines on the wings. They're just deep enough to hold the flurry and but not so deep that they look like the the P, you know, the P51s. Well, cool. Well, hopefully at one of these points I'm actually going to get some more of my stuff painted. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Maybe we can actually start playing. All right. So wanted to talk a little bit about the 700-pound gorilla in the room. Uh, the stuff that uh, we've put out for tabletop sim. Brett, you've at least had a chance to play with the rule set, or I should say the miniatures, the models, whatever you want to say, uh, on Tabletop Sim. Uh, Chris, I know you've been really busy and you haven't necessarily had a chance to, um, but uh, what do you guys think so far looking at it? Man, I loved it. I've played, what, a couple times? Maybe three times? Something like that? I don't know. It's been a blast. I was kind of like Tyrone Biggums after the first time I played, like, y'all got any more of that tabletop simulator? Yeah, yeah, you kept so, harassing me. I'm like, no, dude, I got to actually get stuff done this weekend. Yeah, so yeah, I got the bug now. And it's fun for me because, I, I've said this before, it is such a good translation of the actual game. And for me, that's a that's awesome because I actually get a chance to play way more than I ever would have been able to play just waiting for you know us to get together, that kind of thing. So this is going to be a good outlet for me to get reps in. And I, I, I'm super satisfied with it. It looks amazing, and I can't wait to get a chance to try it. But it's just not in the horizon until I get, you know, it's probably about the 20th of this month, about the time they start relaxing some of the social distance stuff, um, I might be able to see freaking into, into what's going on next month. So that's that's when school's officially over with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, the as I talked about earlier, my intent was to kind of put something out there and see how it will, would get started and people to run with it, put models in, put cards in, put whatever they wanted in there and to, to build their own game mats and their own tables. Uh, I think there will probably be a more advanced uh, version to come out at some point, uh, either from me or from Warlord or, or just uh, from a couple of us putting our heads together to figure stuff out to to get a bunch more models in there. Because, you know, let's be quite honest, there's there's no reason why we, we can't pull a lot of that in. Warlord seems very 
happy and genuine about sharing information. So I think there's a there's a desire to at least give people something to play with over the next couple of months while they're stuck in social distancing land. Well, you know, you and I are going to like it, but uh, I think the real training indicator is the kind of reaction we got from like Steve Toth when he played. You know, he'd never seen it before. I can totally relate with where he is in life because he's got three kids. He works. He's not playing this game. He's really a hobbyist and, uh, you know, plays with his dad occasionally, but he's not going to a game place. His dad's not going to go to a game place to um, to play, but they can play this and he can play with us and others. And he was totally geeked out about it. So, I mean, that's just an indicator just how well this is likely to be received. It's a good thing. Yeah, I think part of it really is if if people will let us know what they want. Uh, I know I put a, a kind of a feeler post out there a day or so ago where I said, hey, give us some feedback, uh, knowing that everybody's going to say models. It's always models. It's always other aircraft. We always want more cool things like that. Uh, I got that. Uh, I want to fill out all the other cool things and make sure we've got templates in there. And I, and I laugh. I had to share the video uh, of poor Brett in there trying to position his model just perfectly right in the middle of the furball of everybody else. So there's always going to be glitches with the game. There's always going to be things you have to work through and things you have to understand how how the game wants you to interact with it, not how you think you're interacting with it. Uh, but I think most of those you can get over and you can figure out. You got to uh, code it so that if you go too close to models, they all fall over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you got to reset oh, them all. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually not hard to do. I could actually. It's it was harder to make things resilient than it was to make them you know easy to knock over. I'm better at it in tabletop simulator than I am on a real table. Once we start having magnets about, and metal tape, yeah, I, was say, I don't know about that. You you with the magnets on a real table and moving my MIGs and my uh, my fighters all over the board. So. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's, I'm 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 better at yeah. not doing that <laughs> not on doing tabletop simulator. I'm I'm a <laughs> I'm knocking them all over the place. You're a train in the real wreck game. with a tape measure out there on, <laughs> yes. uh, on the, the regular board. Right. Well, so hopefully we'll see some more maps. I know uh, we've got a couple plans in work to see what uh, what we can get ported over for maps. Definitely, eventually, some more different models and different aircraft cards. Uh, but we're trying to get the just the gameplay part of it to what everybody wants to make sure that they've got cloud markers. I know we got to do barrage balloon markers. Don't know how many of you play with them. I haven't bothered to put those in there yet, but we'll we'll get a lot of that stuff in there. And, and thankfully, once again, Warlord has been good. They've been uh, I was answering emails this morning as uh, some fairly uh, important people in the company were asking, hey, what's the what's the feeling online? What did what did people say? Do they like it? Are they interested? Um, and there were some very frank discussions about ways that that Warlord could weigh in and could help and could um, could offer some things uh, to the community, you know, to to use in the game. Uh, to make things easier. So I think, I think it'll be interesting to see where it goes. I mean, I don't know anything about this level of stuff, but I was thinking some easy to access DLC would maybe pour it in pretty nicely and give you lots of other, you know, things to add into the game, but you know, we'll see how it develops. Well, and, and so everybody knows that was one of my pitches to Warlord was this is a great first step, but Hey Warlord, if you want to go out and make an official, Blood Red Skies DLC that has some of your IP in there that people have to pay a small fee to download, uh, there's there's probably not going to be a heck of a lot of pushback from the community if it's stuff that's unique. But, you know, if you're asking me to, to pull down the regular PDF rules and pay for that when I can get the PDF off your website, people aren't going to do that. They're not interested in that. But they, they want to, people are willing to pay a small amount of money for some really cool DLC uh, you're never going to make a bazillion dollars on on DLC in a, in a small game market like Blood Red Skies, uh, but it's a way for Warlord to be able to feel like they're sharing stuff and recouping some of their their cash flow uh, with the rest of the community. Uh, and to be honest, that you know, we we have already had the discussion about models and about their beautiful 3D renderings of some of the models coming up, uh, and we'll see where the the conversation goes. But I made my sales pitch pretty hard. Uh, for them to, over the next couple months, start releasing low-res versions of those models that are about to come out uh, as uh, as downloadable content for, for Blood Red Skies on Tabletop Sim. Can you tell us much about how you're, you and maybe some of the guys on the playtest team have used the platform to test stuff? A absolutely. So a couple of us on the playtest team have used it uh, specifically for the Vietnam rules. And it's nice there because... Uh, most of our playtest team, or actually all of our playtest team, is geographically challenged. Uh, playing with people in the UK, playing with people in Virginia. Brett, you're in Florida. I've got some other people out on the West Coast. So it's 
it, we're, we're not going to get a chance to play with each other. And we're also going to have to kind of read in other people that are local to play one or two games, but they may not consistently play. So it really isn't a good play test. But with this, now me and the rest of the primary play test team, we can all get in. We can argue about it. We can immediately, you know, change a card uh, like a trait card in PowerPoint, put that into a PDF. I can load it into the game and within 60 seconds, everybody's looking at the same trait card. Uh, that. To, at least to me as a playtester, it's kind of a game changer. Um, it's it's both cool and frightening because we've run into some version control issues where we keep going through and changing things and then we find out to go, what was the last version that we really, really liked? Uh, but it, it's a cool way to rapidly go out there and try some of these things. And and it's also cool for some of the playtesters to try, try things at home without asking their wife, "Hun, can I take over the dining room table to set up my miniatures again? Um, they can actually check some of the, the maneuvering, some of the weapons, some of the, the different aircraft traits, uh, and, and give us some good feedback then. Well, I got a legitimate question too. I, we've messed with it some where we've put like the red colors on the, uh, you know, the, or the mine were red, but where you custom colored the bases so you could tell who was who. Right. When we had, cause we did a three, a three way game where there was two players with one Oh nine. That's right, Chris, we had a three way without you. Dude, I let that one I go by. I almost jumped on it, but I was like, that's all right. I'm just going to I was, was going to go by on that one already. Is that is that normal like everyday content now or Well, so it's um it's something that's going to have to kind of be addressed in a tutorial video cuz it's kind of funny. It's it's standard in a lot of other games that have bases that are are a separate part of the model that people are used to going in right clicking and choosing a color code for their base so it's easy to pick out their forces on the tabletop because even in bolt action when you look at it from above there's a bunch of little green or dark green dudes running around on a green or brown map you know and so finding your individual model can sometimes be difficult so people are used to highlighting that base with a fluorescent color and kind of like we did uh where yours were red mine were that uh that uh let's see what were they they were Teal, I guess, is the best way to describe that color. Uh, I think we ended up uh, putting uh, purple or pink or something uh, on Steve's models. But uh, it, it gave us an ability to quickly break those models out and to be able to see whose were whose. Um, because right now, and I don't think that, that at least while I'm handling the models, we're not going to have fully skinned models that have you know fancy paint jobs and stuff on there. I, I don't have the hours in the day. Uh, if somebody else wants to do that in little airplanes, knock yourself out. Um, please do, but you know, we, we kind of need a way right now to tell some of our aircraft apart other than the primary colors. Yeah. In a real game, that's how we do it. It's like, oh yeah, mine are the green ones and yours are the tan ones, but that's not really. I, I don't know. Says the man who keeps trying to outmaneuver his own guys on the board. Actually, it's usually yeah. a lot easier, Brett. It's ours are the painted ones. Doug's are the primer ones. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, that's all right. I'll take and that abuse from Chris. The dice roller is, uh, was you a better take that abuse. Too, I was right? the one that was up till two o'clock in the morning helping you get three colors on Imperial Fist the night before Adepticon. <laughs> yeah, and sadly, that, see, that wasn't the year that the Imperial Fist actually shot all your guys up. So I didn't play you that year. Oh, disappointing. Oh, love you, man. Disappointing. The, disappointing. The, the dice roller we used last game, was that uh, standard kit for the uh, starter set? or is So that... it will be. Uh, there's a couple things coming out this week. The... The automatic dice roller, so if you're like Brett and you can't figure out how to roll dice without throwing them across the table and knocking everyone's models over. I only threw them off the table once. <laughs> uh, so if, if rolling your dice in tabletop sim aren't your thing, uh, there will be a dice roller where you select how many dice you need. You you know press the, the roll button, they all come up. It tells you what you got, how many successes. You clear off all the dice with another button, um, and that'll be there. We'll still have custom dice in there uh, because I know people like seeing custom Luftwaffe dice, U.S. Air Force dice, RAF dice, all those things. Those will still be in there, um, and you can still use them on this die roller because all you do is you just take one of those custom dice, stick it on the die roller in Tabletop Sim, and then that's what all of your 10, 12, whatever dice you roll uh, what it uses for that model. So that'll be in there. The templates are in there. I'll, I'll be quite frank. The templates are in there because people have asked for them. I don't think they are that useful for moving. Um, I think they're a little fiddly and there's some ways you'll have to get used to, to putting them through the physics of all that. Uh, I don't know, Brett, what was your experience with some of that? Yeah, two things. I like, I roll way more sixes 
in tabletop simulator than in real life with my Luftwaffe dice. Because you keep you keep <laughs> using the stupid starter set dice, burn those things, melt right. them down. Yeah, so I I like the dice roller, and um, I learned that thing about pressing P to get the direct overhead view, and I'm trying to move stuff, so Absolutely. I'm not inadvertently cheating you on my move. <laughs> exactly. As I'm watching your fighter just slide about an inch to the left, I'm like, hey, dude, how do you it, do that? It looked perfect um, to me. You looked it, perfect to me. So, so that was one of the other things was that that the changing the camera angles in Tabletop Sim allowed you to not need to have the template, because you could get a perfect overhead view, and you could go, okay, I can, I can see now that I'm not cheating and not sliding my fighter one way or the other. Uh, and giving unfair advantage, but there's still limitations. We haven't figured out how to turn less than 15 degrees in tabletop sims. So tailing, sometimes it's putting an airplane there and and saying on the Discord chat with your buddy, hey, dude, I could turn another five degrees that I need to tail you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to count that as tailing. I'll go ahead and drop my fighter to disadvantage. So, you know, you, you need to you need to be a, a good sportsman there about some of that. Uh, so we probably will never have competitive Blood Red Skies on Tabletop Sim. Uh, but be a good sport about that and, and help the other guy out. You would have been crou- uh, proud of me, Chris. I tailed Doug twice. I still got shot off the board, but <laughs> I, I tailed somebody. <laughs> <laughs> That's a win. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's fine because I just hit the brakes and let him fly right by. Oh, 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 oh. And that's Tom Cruise, man. He can't even make it into the theater. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh, that's so wrong. Oh, Family Guy's Tiny Tom Cruise is still one of my all time favorite freaking comic gags. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's just so funny. He's the same height as Stewie. It's It's just awesome. Going to hell for watching The Family Guy, but it's so funny. All right. Well, we've been talking for about an hour, and a lot of that's been BSing offline, so you guys won't hear it in the podcast in the final uh, recording. You'll be like, why is this a 38-minute podcast? They said they talked for an hour. Because we're not sharing any of those horrible, terrible things that are reprehensible and would have us put in jail, or at least in Facebook jail. But anyway, uh, any last-minute points, uh, Chris? Anything you want to talk about? No, I am good, man. I, I, I'm just looking forward to getting some more freaking painting done, getting some more Russians on the board, and God, hopefully I can get some games in soon. Well, I heard that they're starting that uh, that Magic Club back up, so you can probably get some games in uh, when you come out of uh, quarantine. It wouldn't be a podcast without one Magic Joe. <laughs> exactly. That's all right. I nailed you on freaking your fist, so we're, we're You good. did, jackass. <laughs> Brett, any, any last-minute parting shots from you? Yeah, last time I said paint your models, so I stick with that, but now I also add in there, get on Tabletop Simulator. It's awesome. It's worth it. Check it out. Yeah, it is, and and uh, I'll be spending some more time this week trying to get stuff ready, but I'm really trying to unplug from Tabletop Sim now that I've got it where it is uh, and actually go follow Brett's advice and paint my effing models because uh, I need to do that because otherwise all this resin is just going to sit on my desk. Thanks, everyone, for listening and taking some time to spend with us. We hope everyone's being safe out there and enjoying a little bit of gaming while they can. Have a good evening.